So, um, but I'm here to talk to you. My name is Tracy Mason. Um, after three decades in the wine and spirits industry, I left and joined um, and co-founded a company called House Osaka. We are the first and only cannabis-infused, alcohol-removed wine from Napa Valley. And in addition to that, we make our newest, uh, our newest addition is Saka Spark Mimosa, which is the first and only alcohol-removed sparkling wine to bolster its flavor and effects with mimosa strain-specific live resin and natural essence of orange blossom nectarine. It is an extraordinary, extraordinary beverage. So welcome to the Cannabis Drinks Expo. I'm here to talk to you about something that's really important and interesting. Are we all high or can cannabis really, really replace the alcohol occasion? And I'm gathering that you're all here because you've seen the headlines, right? Or you're actually part of this industry. Everyone's talking about cannabis-infused beverages and how they're going to take over. Right now, cannabis-infused beverages are growing at a rate faster than cannabis sector itself. So there's definitely something to it, right? Big companies are jumping in. There's a lot of headlines around it. But we still remain a kind of small section of the industry. And I'm going to give you my perspective on that um, as we go through today. I always do that. Um, and I know that you've also seen some of the polls, right? Um, we know this is so, imagine that you're sitting there, you know, you're the, the CEO of Diageo, and you're seeing this type of poll come out that says that, you know, the majority of consumers believe that the cannabis is safer than alcohol. And if given the choice, what would actually be legal, more consumers would rather have cannabis be legal than alcohol, right? Now, after having spent many years in executive positions in the cannabis, in the alcohol industry, I can tell you what we talk about all the time in every meeting, in every board meeting, was how do we, how do we capture more share of throat? Now, I know that sounds like some kind of really scary porn movie, but it's not. It's about <laughs> capturing the, the consumers, um, if you're drinking, for example, if you're drinking rum, how can I take you away from, say, for example, Bacardi and bring you to Captain Morgan? We want to increase your share of throat. And so when you know when these executives are now looking at this industry, and particularly cannabis-infused beverages, they're saying, holy smokes, literally, figuratively, um, <laughs> cannabis-infused beverages can actually take away our share of throat. So that's why they're diving in. That's why they're really looking at it. Um, and we know that when you look at other consumers' packaged goods industries and, and you look at you know, a Safeway, for example, a Safeway alone, an average Safeway, carries 600 SKUs of wine. And wine alone, that's not including all the, all the, uh, all the sodas, all of the seltzers. So packaged beverage... As a, as a rule, it's huge. It's about 15% of all sea source sales. It's a massive, massive industry. So that also kind of gives you an indication of where this category could go. We know that big alcohol is watching us, watching this industry like a hawk, right? We know that they're looking at us. We know some of them, like Constellation, you know, for how you feel about their major investment in the space aside. Um, has jumped in. We know Molson Coors has jumped in. A big announcement came out yesterday with their, um, with their collaboration with Two Roots. Things are happening in the space. 
And, but you know what they're doing? They're looking at the space very closely, but they're looking at it through the lens of highly regulated environments like alcohol. And so for companies like us, and I know a lot of my colleagues are out here that are also cannabis-infused beverage makers, we have to be really careful about how we approach our beverages and how we approach the consumer with our beverages. And I'll talk about that a little bit more in a minute. And then, if you believe my beautiful friend Jocelyn at Headset, and frankly, who wouldn't, um, you know, Jocelyn will, will, I'm sure she's speaking at this conference, will tell you all of the statistics that back up everything that we believe that cannabis-infused beverages are going to be huge. But the question remains, right? The question still remains, is cannabis, are cannabis-infused beverages really that 800-pound gorilla that are going to eat up not only share of alcohol, but overall the share of the cannabis category in general? And I think those are the questions that we're all asking ourselves. And, you know, we do have a very, very long way to go to get there. But, uh, you know, let's just talk through that. So is it true, is it possible that alcohol can, I mean, that cannabis can replace the alcohol occasion? Well, let's really think, and it kind of depends. Let's think about the alcohol occasion, right? When, when, you know, after years in alcohol and teaching all of Diageo's courses around the world about how you market alcohol, I can tell you that you look at it through a very a triangulated lens of, of three things. First is your need state, second is the occasion, and third is the venue. When you triangulate all of those things is how you get to where you, A, target your consumer in that space or in that need state or in that occasion, um, and how you, you are able to craft your beverages and your beverage selections around that. It's very actually much more sophisticated than you might believe. So when you think about need states, they're really about three major things. There's excitement, right? There's um, engagement, and then there's relaxation. So excitement, oh my God, I want to go out with my friends. I want to, you know, have a great time. I've had whatever that looks like. You know, when you're engaged, you know, it's like, hey, let's go play poker. Let's all drink beers and, and like really get to like have that talk. Or when you want to come home from work, work and you want to just let your shoulders drop and you want to relax and unwind. So looking at occasion too, right? So, so now you have these need states. This is how I feel. So, how do I marry a beverage to how I'm feeling? What, what need do I have? And then you marry that against both occasions and venues. So, you know, you think about occasions, you know, it's everything from, um, is it celebratory? Oh, I want to go celebrate something. Is it a meal enhancement? Oh, I'm having dinner tonight and what, what wine is going to pair best with this meal? Um, is it, you know, you're sitting in the back of a 78, uh, station wagon smoking weed with your friends. I mean, that might have been me, but it was still an occasion. And then you think about the venues. Are you going to a wine bar? Are you going to a club? Are you going to go play pool at Smitty's in Sausalito? Where is those venue, where, where is the venue that you're having? And all of those things, right? All of those things impact the choice that consumers make at any given alcohol occasion. But what's most important and under which the umbrella, under which all of those things fall, is really experience. Now think about that. Consumers have experience with alcohol, right? So they've been experiencing, most of us have been experiencing alcohol way before we were legally able to do so. So the experience factor really helps hone in that choice and hone in that comfort level that we're looking for in cannabis. 
So an experience is driven by four things, the four A's, right? You have acceptability, you know, is this something that I accept as part of my lifestyle that I feel aligned with? You have accessibility. Can I get it? Is it easy to find? We have affordability. Um, can I afford it? And then obviously awareness. Am I aware of this product at all? And think about since the time that you were little kids, that awareness factor has been drilled into you. You know, you had the Clydesdale horses with um, Budweiser. You have millions of commercials. You have your parents drinking a glass of wine at dinner or having a scotch with their friends on, on the weekends. We've seen it, right? So the issue with, with experience is really hard because if you think about our industry, these four A's are so hard to achieve. You know, we, we, our acceptability is very limited still, even though the majority of Americans believe that cannabis could be, should be legal. How many of you have, have had someone come up to you and say, oh my God, I'm really curious about your beverages, but I'm afraid of them. I'm like, I just watched you do four shots of tequila, you, you, and you're afraid of my five milligram drink? Okay, there's a problem there, right? And then we have accessibility. You know, in the state of California, what do we have? About 720 really viable retail outlets that we can sell our products in. And of that 720, a brand like House of Saka that's targeting a luxury consumer, really, that's really about 200. So accessibility is the issue. And we really, really haven't figured out DTC yet. Once we do, I think that's going to be a, a huge thing for us. Affordability, the onerous taxes that we all face as part of our industry, really impact our affordability. And then again, awareness. We're so limited in how we can talk about our products. We're limited in social media. I mean, everywhere where everyone else, despite the regulations around tobacco and, and, um, and, and alcohol, and, and there's very, very strict guidelines around that, cannabis can't even hold a candle to it, right? So we're so, so blocked with our experience. So we've got a really, really bad experience problem, right? So how do we overcome this idea of experience? Because guess what? We can't, as cannabis-infused beverage, really effectively um, take over or even steal share from the alcohol occasion without that experience. I mean, I got to believe that every person in this room that's been involved has had someone come up to them and say what I just said before. I'm, I really am so curious about it, but I, I, I don't know what it, I don't know what it's going to do to me, and I'm genuinely afraid. Right? We've all seen this. All of us have seen this type of chart that compares, you know, a 12-ounce beer, an ounce and a half shot of straight alcohol, a five-ounce glass of wine, that tells you, you know, essentially, if you have one of these, sort of, you're going to feel the same way. You know, whether it's you do a shot, you have a glass of wine, or you, do, you have a beer. Everyone's seeing this, right? We all get it. You, they're even hanging these up in bars. Where does that sit? For cannabis, right? And it's interesting because our in our particular industry, our segment, the cannabis drinks industry, is really the only the only um, area in cannabis because of our metered dose, because of our um, rapid onset, that can really attack this question, right? So that's what we need to be focusing on. We need to make consumers understand what our drinks will feel like. And we need, to, we need to compare them, and we need to put studies together that help us understand if I have a five-ounce bottle of Spark, which I hope you all do, and I hope you do frequently, how is that going to compare 
to two ounces, you know, to a, to a glass of wine? Or how is that going to compare to how I feel? Right? And, and what happens if I have two? What happens then? So we talk so much, right, about microdosing and about this and about alternative cannabinoids. No one has any freaking idea what we're talking about. We're putting 1,200 milligram drinks on the same shelf as 2.5 milligram drinks, which is both irresponsible and does not help our cause at all in terms of helping the consumer understand what they're drinking. So, you know, I kind of call on us as an industry, call on my colleagues of the Cannabis Beverage Association to really start working on this question because that's really what's going to give us the advantage that we need. We know that our drinks are better and safer and healthier than any other form of cannabis consumption, right? And, and we know that, and we know that, why isn't this working? And we know that what's coming, I'm asking you to sort of look around the corner. You know, we're all talking about legalization and what's, what that's gonna do to us, but think about that. Think about the way that alcohol, about the way that vaping, the way that tobacco, any kind of combustible is completely villainized by the federal government, and, and which limits the access to the consumer. And so do you think that cannabis is going to be the exception to that rule, that everyone's going to be like, you know what, you know, don't smoke cigarettes, but go ahead, light up a joint on, on the side of the street. No, that's not going to happen. And vaping, we saw with the vape crisis in 2000, what was it, 2019? I was working for Canacraft at that time, an amazing company that makes amazing products. But yet, that vape crisis for that blip in that radar really hurt us. It hurt our bottom line. And it's hard to recover from that. We have recovered. The industry has recovered. But looking long term, think about vaporized. Think about vaporized products. Is that something that's going to be widely accepted? Whereas cannabis-infused beverages have no combustion. They have no long-term effects on your body, at least you know, working with Vertose and trying to really study that, we can't find any. The half-life on cannabis is too low, and the and the ingredients that we're using to use our emulsions are all already FDA-approved food-grade um, substances that help drive our emulsions. So yes, cannabis-infused beverages are the future of cannabis consumption, but can they can they take away from the alcohol occasion? And I say yes, they can. But what I'm saying is that we, as an industry, need to grow up. And I don't mean that in a negative way, because I'm exceedingly immature as a 53-year-old woman, and I'm proud of that. But what I mean to say is that we need to think about not where we are, not where we're sitting right now as an industry. We need to think about where we're going to go, right? And we need to start following the guidelines that alcohol has had to follow. Now, for my company, we've been doing that since the very beginning. I've said in hundreds of interviews, you know, what is, what is House of Sock? I'm like, House of Sock is a sophisticated adult beverage for a sophisticated adult. Our mantra needs to be, if we want to really move forward and drive our industry forward, our mantra needs to be about responsible, responsible consumption. Every single bottle, every single ad, anything that we put out there at House of Saga has a responsibility message to it. Again, because we rolled in from alcohol, so we get it. So we need to be focused on responsibility. We need to be focused on understanding and knowing your dose. We need to stop pretending like people know what the hell we're talking about, because they don't. I mean, my wife, who obviously spends a lot of time drinking my beverages, 
is constantly asking me, like, well, help me understand, what do you mean when you say milligram? If, if, if I'm looking at this one and it's 100 mil, what does that even mean? Now, obviously, I explained it to her, and she's pretty smart, and she gets it now, but still, it's the common consumer doesn't get it. So we as an industry, we have an opportunity to steal share from alcohol if we act like alcohol, right? If we make our beverages, like we've made House Osaka, that are alcohol adjacent in such a way that they, they can take over that occasion. You can bring a house of Saka wine to Thanksgiving with your parents. You can have a, a bottle of Saka Spark with your girlfriends at brunch as opposed to having all the calories and alcohol that my, my friends would drink a lot of during any given brunch or any given sort of uh, bubbles occasion. So those are the things that I think we need to do in order to do it, in order to steal that share. So the question still then, right, can cannabis steal from the alcohol occasion? And my point of view is absolutely, absolutely, but we have a lot of work to do, right? We have a lot of work to do to understand and how to compare and to make consumers feel comfortable in their purchase. And, 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 and doing that, if you remember those four A's that I talk about, that I talked about earlier, you know, acceptability, affordability, awareness, accessibility, you know, and how limited we are, that's going to be really, really challenging. But you know what? Everyone in this room that's been in this industry knows how challenging it is. And we're pioneers, and pioneers make shit happen. So we have an opportunity now to define a category in such a way uh, that no one else, that no other, no other um, segment or another vertical of cannabis can do. And we, all we need to do, which is going to be hard, is really help consumers understand the experience in a way that they can really digest it and get it. And to do that, we need to self-police, we need to be responsible, and we need to make sure that our messaging is super, super adult, and that they get it, and they understand where our beverages fit in their lifestyle. Because it's not about, right now, the legacy consumer. I mean, we're blessed with House Osaka Spark because we're using live resin, has really, you know, really worked with the legacy consumer as well as the can of curious consumer, but that's a rare thing. You know, if you think about it, you have a can who's doing an incredible job, right, bringing new consumers into the cannabis space by going with a microdose and giving people that opportunity to sort of understand how cannabis is going to make them feel. And then you have super, super high-potency beverages, um, which are addressing a very singular legacy user. It might be a substitute, for example, of lighting up a joint, is that you take a 100-milligram shot of, of THC at any given point. If your body can handle that, that's awesome. But we need to find, we need to help the consumer understand those occasions. What is the occasion for House Osaka or for a Kazen or for a um, you know, 100 milligram shot? And where does that fit into the alcohol occasion? So that's my point of view. And I want to be clear to say that's strictly my point of view. Um, but, uh, and I want to thank you, this giant crowd, for being here. Um, and we have about 10 minutes left if you have any questions. All right. I mean, I realized I was so insightful that, you know. Oh, good. There's one. Oh, sir. You said House of Saka, right? That, yes, sir. Okay. Uh, what, kind of, what type of wine is it? Is it just like if you do all different types of, uh, of wine or is it 
So right now we have two SK, we have three SKUs. SKUs. You say that. Um, one is House of Saco White, which is um, a barrel-aged uh, alcohol-removed Napa Valley Chardonnay. We remove the alcohol and replace that with a proprietary THC CBD formulation. So you, with 40 milligrams of THC, 5 milligrams of CBD per bottle. So you're getting a full-spectrum effect, about 8, about eight milligrams per glass. Um, and House of Saco Pink, which is our best seller, which is a rosé, of Pinot Noir and Cabernet Sauvignon from Napa Valley, also alcohol removed, replaced with THC. And then House of Saka Spark is a sparkling Chardonnay, which is um, one of the base ingredients in any sparkling wine. Um, and we remove that alcohol and replace that with uh, Mimosa Strain specific live resin. It's yummy. <laughs> any other questions? Sir? Oh, sorry. It's I can't. This lights are really bright. Uh, I understand the challenge is going to gatekeepers and getting the gatekeepers uh, to understand, you know, where the category fits. Mm-hmm. A lot of them see numbers, and that's really where they're at. But beyond that, getting the uh, the gatekeepers at at a, at a chain level or at the consumer level um, uh, to create the pull. Um, are you are you guys doing stuff on social media? I definitely agree with you. The challenge with that is, is we're so highly restricted in social media. You know, CAN has actually been really successful in using social media without even having their logo. They just put their brand essence out there through, through. so we, we, have, we can't really use the word cannabis. We can't use, so it's really hard to use social media t- toward that. From, from what we do is that we spend a lot of time talking to media. So if you Google House of Saka, I mean, we've, we've been in every major publication several times. Everyone from Rolling Stone to Esquire to Forbes to, to um, Hollywood Reporter to OK Magazine to Oprah Magazine. And so we're using that platform. We're having the media tell our story for us um, until such time as we're able to be more um, in front of uh, the consumer in the ways that we really want to be. Um, and, the li- and I think you're right. The lifestyle thing is missing. You know, it's one thing to you know, show a young girl in a bikini drinking a cannabis-infused beverage, which I don't recommend doing going back to the whole responsibility thing. But you're setting up the lifestyle, right? So all of our ads are very, very highbrow and very high fashion. Um, again, because we're really targeting and we're watching. We're looking forward to when um, you know big alcohol comes in. We, and we just don't want to have any kind of marks against us in that regard. Um, so I think as an industry, you know, we really need to get together and, and really talk about that message, leverage the media in the right way. Because the media, I'm sure you all know. I mean. Gosh, Jamie, um, you know she's launching her product, and you know we've all been in the in the media so much because the media really wants to talk about what we're doing, right? So we need to leverage that and get that message out there. So that's really the best way I think to do that. Um, and then you know there's some really great podcasts, and so there's some other ways of of getting that message. But nothing will really, I think, overcome it like the experience itself. You know, what does it feel like? And that's really hard because it's like 
100 milligrams of THC would put me on the floor for three days. But yet I have friends that can do that with no problem, you know. For a can of consumer coming into the space, um, hello, um, a can of consumer coming into space, a glass of House of Saka um, pink, a five-ounce glass of House of Saka pink is about the equivalent how it's going to make you feel, and, and even in the same time frame, as about a five-ounce glass of wine. Um, but we need the data to back that up, right? Because I can't put that in the media. You know, I can, I, can, I can tell people that, and I can reinforce that message. But until we have the science to really back that up, um, it's difficult. So, you know, again, I'm calling on my colleagues um, to help us really define that, because I think ultimately that's going to make all of our lives and all of our jobs that much easier.